In a world where it seems like there's so much going wrong, I want you to see the people who are spending their lives doing and seeing the good. Welcome to the Doing Good Podcast, where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. And I'm thrilled to have on the podcast today, Jeff Griffin. So Jeff has always dreamed about playing sports on the big stage. As a kid, he envisioned playing college football as a receiver. He was one step closer to fulfilling his dream when a construction accident left him broken and paralyzed from the waist down. His life and dreams were shattered, but not defeated. During those dark days, Jeff had a decision to make. He could stay down and quit or get back up and succeed. He chose the latter. As an ordinary man living life from a wheelchair, Jeff has accomplished some extraordinary things. He played in the 2004 Paralympic Games in Athens, Greece, and is a silver medalist for the USA men's wheelchair basketball team. Griff is a national champion who played for the Utah Wheelin Jazz and is a four-time All-Star MVP. He was the number one men's wheelchair tennis player in the state of Utah, won the St. George Marathon, has two Guinness Book of World Records, and is the author of the award-winning book, I'm Possible, Desire, Dream, Do. He believes everyone has the power and potential to accomplish the impossible if they take the proper steps. Griff considers publishing his book one of his greatest accomplishments since he got a D- in English and was told he'd never be able to write a coherent sentence. Take that, English teacher. He enjoys eating pizza, playing games, and exercises and exercising. Do you still, that's something I want to talk to you about, Jeff. I have, I have a problem with exercising right now. (laughs) You talk about how you stay motivated to do that and how you actually like it. You enjoy exercising. We need to talk. These successes, although impressive, don't define who Griff is. What really defines him is his ability to amplify your power and potential as a Sherpa of sorts, by not only telling you how to turn the impossible into the possible one step at a time, but by showing you how. Griff, welcome to Doing Good. Thanks for joining me. Oh my goodness gracious. Thank you, Carmen, for the uh, the introduction and for the opportunity that I get to spend some time with you and your listeners. I am so happy you're on today. So you go by Jeff and by Griff. Which one do you want me to call you for the podcast today? Well, like I mentioned, my mother called me Jeffrey and my friends call me Griff. Okay. And so I hope that you, you know, will call me Griff. Yeah, I'll call you Griff. I love it. So we got to start at the very beginning, I guess. Were you always a football player? Did you always love sports? What were you like growing up? Oh my goodness. See, I grew up in the middle of eight. I was lost in the middle of eight. And so I had an idyllic childhood, I believe. And my my sister who was in the middle right next to me, you know, she didn't think it was as idyllic as I did, but you know, after chores were done at, at noon, I would just take off and go exploring and explore the canal behind us. And you know, the beginning of summer, my feet were tender and soft. By the end yeah. of summer, my feet were leathery and hard, and I could run on the the, the rocky roads that, that they would pave. Good childhood, yes. You know what? I I thought you know that was great. My the way I came home or knew when I was supposed to come home is I heard my mother's voice in the distance yelling for her kids to come home. Grew up in Cache Valley, and so yeah, I I loved I loved my life. I loved being active. Yeah. And as a little kid, you know, my dream was to go play football in college. I I loved it. It was the song that sang to my soul. And and I know that everyone's song is not to play football. I get that. 
But I do know, Carmen, that if that everyone who's listening right now has a song. Yeah. And and the sadness that I've experienced is a lot of us have stopped listening to that song. Yeah. Well, what was it? What do you think makes us stop listening to that song? Because I agree from, from a young age, my dream was always to be a singer. Mm-hmm. And I remember we had a career day in school, fourth grade, and they're like, pick your top three career choices. And they actually told us, don't write things like a singer, a NBA basketball player, NFL football player. Cause they're like the chances of you actually achieving something on that grand scale are pretty slim, which I'm like, why would they tell us that dream killers? Yeah. And so, but I didn't, I, I didn't listen. I put, I want to be a professional singer. I didn't have an A or B. That was it. That was all I wanted to do. And so I put, I'm going to be a singer someday. It was something that from the very beginning, my parents kind of instilled this, this confidence in me that they're like, you really can do anything you want. And I never believed I could it. I didn't ever think I was the best or I was better than anyone else, but I really did believe that I could do it. Like I had this confidence in myself and this ability to, I I don't know, maybe it was being naive, but I'm like, I can do that. I could totally do that. And that was my song. And my life turned out differently too. I would, I, we both, the thing is, is I think you and I have this in common that we both were able to kind of taste a little bit of that dream, sing like maybe a verse of that song Mm -hmm. and then life turned out different. So, so tell me about how your life turned out different. You, you were able to play football and, and you did play in college. Tell me about that, achieving even that level. What was that like for you? Well, well, Carmen, I don't, I don't know if you remember the, the time when, when you had that experience. I know you described it. I don't know if you told people what your dream was. What was interesting was your teachers are telling you not to put these things down. Yeah. And don't do this. Don't yeah. do that. I don't know if you've ever told your friends what your dream was, but I remember telling people what my dream was. I'm like, I want to play football in college. Everybody. I'm like, watch me. Yeah. And what'd they do? Did they, did they laugh at you? Did they tell you all the reasons why you couldn't? You know what? My, not my family. My family was like, yeah, absolutely. You can do it. And I was just bullheaded enough to be like, I don't even care what anyone says. Like I'm going to anyway. And then I had some friends that were like, oh, that'd be so fun. But Probably not likely, but good for you for having that dream. <laughs> well, that's good. You're hanging out with the right people. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I told, I, I hung out with people who, who kept on telling me what I could and couldn't do. They're like, you know, you can't play football. They, they laughed at me. They're like, and they gave me all the reasons why I couldn't play football in college. Why, why did they say that? Why were people, was it just like, you're not tall enough. You're not big enough. You're not fast enough. What was it about them that like, did you have coaches telling you that too? Or mostly friends? No, it was just friends. It was oh. just other individuals. And here's what I've learned, Carmen, is that other people base our possibilities on their limitations. Interesting. And and, and and if we reverse that, you know, we base other people's limitations, other, other people's possibilities on our limitations. And so what's interesting is you grew up with a family who was like, no, listen, I really do believe that you can accomplish, you know, the song that sings inside your soul. And so it really, really depend, you know, really is important to be around people who believe in you, who can see the greatness in you and who will encourage you to conduct and orchestrate that song that sings inside your soul. And and I know there's, there's other people who will encourage you like your family was, but the, for me and the majority of people, you know, most people, you know, don't know what they want. And the majority of us know what we don't want. Yeah. 
And so, and so because of that, we just keep on telling other people what we believe they can do based on our limitations. And, and so for me, you know, that's one thing that I go around and just tell people to, to eliminate that word. I can't. Yes. My kids seem to, you know, use it all the time on Saturdays, especially when we're supposed to do chores. Yep. It's almost, they lose their backbone and they, they completely like collapse on the ground. Like, Oh, I can't take out the garbage. And I'm like, no, no, you can. Yeah. And, and, and you will. And, you know, my son, I always tell this story on stage that, you know, one time my son thought he had me checkmated. He's like, Hey dad, I asked my son if he'd go get me a glass of water. And he's like, you know, he's like, you have legs. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. All right. And some people don't know if they should laugh or cry. Other people are like are wondering if he's still alive. And yeah. he is. He's 22 <laughs> years old. He's doing amazing <laughs> stuff. He's one of my heroes. But at that time, he thought he had checkmated me because he oh. knew that I went around and, and shared with the world to eliminate that word. I can't. And, and so I looked at him and he looked at me and and we kind of had this show, this, this stare down. And yep. I, I smiled at him. I'm like, you're right, Bradley. I do have legs. Go get me a glass of water. Yes. <laughs> you don't know that my parenting checkmates everything. Like what I say overrides anything. That's hilarious yeah. and pretty bold of your son. You have, and I bet he was testing like, what's he going to do? Oh, oh, absolutely. He, you know, good for my son. And I love the fact that, that you know, that he, he doesn't use limitations or excuses to define or decide where he wants to go or what he wants to do or what, you know. You know, he's like, I don't care, dad, if you're in a wheelchair or not. I don't care if you can walk or not. I don't care if people think you're amazing or not. I'm going to, I'm going to hold you accountable. And so, you know, that's one reason why he's one of my heroes. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Good kids for sure. Keep you humble. And I've learned a lot from my kids, patience being like the biggest thing. And my, I have some strong will children as well. And I, my husband all says, I'd rather have to tone down the fire than try to ignite it. Like I'd rather have mm -hmm. to bring them back a little like, okay, not so high and mighty. Mm -hmm. You're not as cool as you think, you know, I'd rather have to humble them out than try to give them that self-confidence because that's hard to instill that sense of I can do anything. And who are you to tell me not to, oh, it's going to serve them so well someday. Mm -hmm. And, and it's harder to kind of push people to be motivated and you can do it. You can believe in yourself. Come on, let's go. And yeah. I think that is something I was blessed with is, is that like, I don't care what anyone says I can do that. And I didn't really receive Griff, any, any negativity growing up about my abilities or what I could do until I accomplished them. So mine mm -hmm. was kind of opposite of yours. Mine was once I was on American Idol and once mm -hmm. I had like made it and I'm on national TV and I'm singing for 30 plus million people a week and I'm competing against the top singers in the nation. And you think, okay, I've made it. That is when the native, the negativity set in for me. That's when I got the, you're awful. Yeah. Why would you even make it? You can't do this. And interestingly enough, my mental state completely changed and it went from you know, 72,000 people tried out on my season, 12 made it. I wow. was one of the 12 out of 72,000. So yeah, the odds were for sure stacked against me that this girl from Utah had made this, not the number one show. And then the negativity started and I started to believe those voices. Mm. And I actually sang 
different. It's funny when people like YouTube me, they're like, we YouTubed you for, you know, our kids. Cause it was, it's been 20 years since yeah. I, know. and so when people like we YouTubed you, it's, it's honestly Griff a really hard. My kids have not seen a single episode. Wow. My, my husband hasn't. And I'm, it's funny. I'm like emotional, even thinking about it and talking about it. Cause it's been 20 years. So all those old feelings are coming up and uh-huh. it's, it's like digging back, going back there. And I'm so proud of what I did when I was 17, but it's really hard for me to watch that back because I've never sang like that before. And I've never sang like that since it was like, I started to believe it wasn't good. I started to believe I was bad and yeah, maybe I shouldn't have made it. Yeah. Maybe it was a mistake. Mm. So I would sing as people labeled me. I mm. would sing as the bad singer and mm. as, as the nervous singer, because I really believed it. And I, I, the lesson I learned is honestly our mental strength is, I mean, we are only as good as we think we are truly, honestly. And if we do believe in ourselves, I really believe we can't do anything. And if we don't believe in ourselves, we physically won't be able to do it. And Mm. that was, I took a year off from singing after American Idol. I didn't sing a single note. I Mm. didn't perform in front of anyone because I'm like, I don't think I can do it. And that is when all those negative voices, I'm like, okay, I believe those. So I kind of went in reverse Mm. of what you did. And then it took me 20 years. I mean, up until now to build back up to the point where I'm like, I do believe in myself. I do love how I sound. And it's funny when I sing shows now or do performances or firesides or whatever. And I have people come up to me and they're like, you have such a beautiful voice. We love listening to you. It's funny because it's like, I'm the same person that I was. I, my voice hasn't changed that much. It's just how I present and how I believe in myself that made people believe in me too. Mm, that is beautiful. And thanks for sharing that because, you know, like you said, the reverse happened with us, with you and I. And, you know, I tasted the sweetness of success, knew what it would be like to be on the big stage. That's what I want to do is play on the big stage. Yeah. And, and you got to play on the big stage, right? You were one of yeah. 12 out of 72,000. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the haters start, started to come out. Yes. All those haters and that they're pointing, telling you, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. And yep. again, they're basing your possibilities on their limitations. And sometimes it's 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 done out of jealousy and other things as well. And 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 so... You know, we base we base things on what we know. Yeah, and 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 unfortunately, if we've never been somewhere before, we don't know that, and so it's yeah. it's the unknown. And so the unknown, the future is unknown. And so we can we can. There's one of two things that we can base the unknown in, and that is doubt or faith. And as a young as a young girl, you're like my dreams. I'm listening to my dreams, and you just go, and you're not looking anywhere else. It's kind of yeah. like Peter on the boat. He, he's like, Jesus is, if that's you, bid me to come out. And he comes out and he's like, he, he's not even paying attention that he's walking on water, that he's defying the odds, that he's he's just going against everything yeah. that should be telling him that he can't be doing this. And all of a sudden, as soon as he takes his eyes or his focus off of his, of the savior, yeah, of his target, then he started yeah. to realize, oh, wait a minute, the waves are crashing. I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm defying the laws of nature. And, yeah. all, and then he sunk and then he sank. And, you know, for me, I had a very, very interesting experience and a very interesting journey. I got to, I got to, you know, fight against the boo birds. But to be honest with you, 
when I showed up my freshman year, I did taste the sweetness of success and play two downs. But what I didn't tell you and, and what I get to later on is that my freshman year when I showed up on campus and arrived at practice, I was not prepared for the pushback. My reserves of resilience were too low and I didn't have those skills to, to deal with that pushback. Passes I typically caught, I stumbled, you know, I dropped. Routes I ran with Christmas, I stumbled and fell. Teammates that were once encouraging me were now discouraging me. And so the pushback was more than I thought I could handle and so I quit. And to make matters worse, Carmen, I called up my mom and dad and told them that I was cut. Oh. To try to save face. And so not only did I, you know, give up on my dreams, but I lied. Yeah. I lied to my mom and dad. I lied to myself. Yeah. And, and here's what I've learned is that, you know, so often, you know, that's what we're doing is we're pretending and we're just we're just lying. You know, some people are just pretending, you know, people you know, are they they lie to their family, they lie to their colleagues, they lie to their employees, they lie to their clients, and, and unfortunately they lie to themselves. And, and what I learned is, you know, ev- just admitting that, admitting that I quit on my dream when I go around and tell people not to quit. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it's like, I'm a self-righteous fraud. And, but I've learned some valuable lessons and I l- learned a lesson of a lifetime, even though that was very, very embarrassing, even to think about it to this day that yeah. I did what I did back then. But I learned a valuable lesson. And that is when our dreams and desires do not match, we allow those, de- we, those demons of, doubt, fear, and complacency to paralyze us yeah. with a debilitating darkness. Yeah. And, and so I've learned though that, you know, because those are competing and conflicting desires that we have, that we can develop a desire that matches up with our dr- dreams. We can de- develop the resilience to withstand the resistance that's going to be there. I always say there's going to be opposition to your optimism. Yes, whether it comes earlier, when it comes late, and and so you know, it took me two years to develop those and learn those. When I when I left college and went on a, an, an LDS mission, you know, I learned to develop these these tools and skills, and and so I came back after my mission, and that's when I was able to experience those two downs. I was able to have a second chance, and I also believe that that embarrassing experience that happened prior to my accident helped me pick up the pieces and dream new dreams to help me realize that, okay, my identity of a, of a football player that's bigger, faster, stronger, you know, that's able to leap and catch and do all these things was now taken away from me. But I had developed and learned these skills. I call, I, I call it the possibility principle, a P squared mindset. That P-square mindset is going to help you with your resilience. It's going to help you with your opposition. It's going to help you dream new dreams and help you with your failures and setbacks. Yeah. And, and, and so it's so beautiful to hear and listen to your story where, you know, you're like, it took me 20 years. It took me yeah. 20 years to start singing again. But here's the beauty. You're singing again. Yeah. Yeah. I love that phrase, I was taking notes as you were writing, the reserves of resilience. And I think that for me, I didn't realize how hard my mom struggled watching me on stage until I became a mom and watching my own kids struggle. And as difficult as it was, it was almost like, 
yeah, whatever, like this is hard, but I can, you know, I'll get through it. It's okay. But my mom, like watching her watch me struggle now that I'm a mom and I watch my kids out on the soccer field or mountain bike and they're falling and they get flat tires and they're being pushed and they're getting pulled out because they're letting their emotions get the best or they miss a goal. I did not realize how hard that would be as a mom to watch my kids build resilience. Mm. And my initial reaction is take it away, talk to the coach, help them out, you know, tell them they're amazing. And, and, my son went through, he's 10 and, and he loves soccer. It's his passion. And he went through a year. He was cut from his club team, only one of two kids. He had to find a new, he was trying out. And I was like, we were the ones that brought this team together. Like we found the team, we put them together. He was with them for five years. He was cut. It was, you know, and you're like, oh, he's only 10, you know, but it was devastating for him and for me and to watch his friends then go on to do all these fun things and compete. And he now is looking for something else and trying to find himself. And I remember like praying so hard one night, like why? And, and he's, this is my, my sweet son. He has ADHD and he already struggles with a lot of things. So uh, like being an athlete is everything to him. Cause he feels mm-hmm. like I'm good at this School is hard. He has to work harder at it, you know, making friends and stuff that that's a little hard, harder for him, but, but playing sports, that comes easy to him. He's like, that's my jam. Mm-hmm. So when that was also, you know, not taken away, but when, when it didn't work out the way he thought it was, then he's kind of like, well, who am I? And I was praying one night. I'm like, why? Like of all my kids, like of all the things that could happen, like why to him this way? And, and as, as I was praying one night, the thought came to my mind, don't be so quick to take away his trials. Don't be so quick to, to cause I'm like, please just take this away. Help us. He's like, don't be so quick to take that away because he's going to be stronger and he's going to learn things that he can only learn by this trial that he can only learn through this. And I was like, Oh, okay. And as hard as that was for me, when you said the reserves of resilience, I, it, it, I had like a little flash forward into his life and thought, what is he going to have to go through in his life where he will need those reserves? He built up as a 10 year old from soccer, what is he going to have to go through? And if I'm like, oh no, let's fix it. Let's fix it, fix it. Then when he gets into a really difficult, like an actual trial, an actual hard thing, if he doesn't have those reserves, he'll crumble. And so how Griff can I, as a mom, teach my boys to build up those reserves and say, stay strong when things are really hard? Cause it's yeah. hard for your kid when it's like, it's everything to them right now. And we know mm-hmm. how can I help them build those up? So if they do experience something like you did, they don't fall apart. Yeah, that's, that's huge. You know, that question is, is the million dollar question. You know, you have these, these people who, you know, you have these students who are straight A students. And then as soon as they get their first B or their first C minus, they crumble because yeah. they haven't experienced that resistance. Yeah. You know, we, we used to describe those parents as helicopter parents, you know, they're hovering over the kids, making sure that everything's doing okay. Helicopter. Helicopter, helicopter parent. That's me. And, and they've, they've been upgraded now instead yeah. of helicopter parents, they're like snowplow parents, or depending on where you're what part of the country you're in, you know, bulldozer parents, or, you know, I, I went and spoke at the, the reservation for the Navajo nation and, you know, they call them remove the rocks off the trail parents. Oh, interesting. 
And, and so what's interesting is, is we find the motivation in the challenge. Some people are like, oh, I'm not very motivated because you're not challenged, yeah. but we find the motivation in the challenge. And when, then we also find what we're made out of when we're challenged. Yeah. And, and so as, as, as a mother, it's it, with my wife, it's the same thing. She just wants to comfort. She wants to nurture. She wants to make sure that they are okay. Mm-hmm. And, and my role as a father is to kind of like play, you know, get in between them and, and, and put my arm around my, my wife and say, you know what? No, let them do this. This will be good for them. It's, it's hard to understand. You know, I remember when I was, you know, 10 years old, walking into my mom's office, you know, my mother grew up in between the Great Depression and World War II on a farm in Northern Utah. She learned her life lessons knee deep in cow poop while she's shoveling manure to, to kind of go spread on the, the fields to increase their yields. Wow. And, um, and so I went into her office about the same age that she was when she was, you know, scooping poop on her computer was a little sticky note that said trials are like manure. They sure do stink, but they certainly help things grow. Oh, I love that. And so in my 10 year old mind, I'm like, that's too, that's too complex. And so I, I, I walked away and adjusted to, to, to where for me, it's like, take your crap and turn it into a crop. I love that. And happened to crop. And and so what, what we, we just want this pristine, perfect lifestyle for our kids. And we don't want them to experience the ugly and the dark and whatnot. But in reality, we are create, we're going to create more darkness and more messes and, and more crap for their lives. And unless we step back and, and teach them how to be resilient. And that is, you know, giving them challenges, pushing them a little bit more, helping them believe that they can do more than they think they can and, and require them to do things that aren't comfortable. Yeah. And so for me, what I've done to really help with that is, is to really focus on what I mentioned before. And that's the possibility principle or the P squared mindset. And, and that is, you know, teaching my kids and teaching other people, and it's never too late. I, I want everyone to understand that my pain is different than your pain and my problem is different than your problem. And, but the problem isn't the problem because we all have problems. And the problem is how we look at those problems and how do we prepare for those problems? Because when the moment to perform has arrived, the moment for preparation has passed. And so we're all going to have problems. We're going to deal with problems, but how do we prepare and to perform? And it's the, it's the possibility principle. It's the P squared mindset. It's developing that P squared mindset where your dreams and desires match up. Most of us don't know what we want. So we got to start with knowing what we want. Yep. And then the second step is understanding what success is, you know, because every so, so many times when I ask people, I'm like, what's the opposite of success? They'll say failure, but I've never met anyone who hasn't failed their way to success. You didn't become yeah. the amazing singer that you were at 17 by being perfect along that journey, you had, you had failed, you had, you know, struggled, you've done all these things. Unfortunately, people didn't describe it along the way and you were just experiencing this. And so they weren't bringing it to your attention of how you were learning, how you were developing. And so, you know, give yourself permission to fail because failures at first are triumphs that last as long as you just don't quit. And so you've got to give yourself grace. You've got to give yourself permission to fail. And you got to understand that success is not, you know, failure is not the opposite of success. I believe success is knowing what you want, finishing what you start and celebrating yeah. the process. I love that. And I agree with that. I, I, I would say the opposite of success is just not trying. 
Yes. It's not going for it. And and my dad used to tell me, you fail or you learn, or you succeed or you learn. And he didn't say fail. He's like, if you don't succeed, you learn. And then you mm-hmm. try again. It's not a failure. It's, 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 you learn from that. And you're right. I tried out for every school play, never made a single one. I was always in the, the ensemble. I tried out for honor choir in high school, didn't make it. Finally did my senior year. I would compete in competitions, like little local, some might win, some might get second, third place. Like there were so many times where I didn't get it, but I still had that. That doesn't matter. I'm still going to push and I'm still going to try. And that was the one thing when my dad called me in October of 2002 to try out. He said, try out for today at four for American Idol. Do you want to do it? And I was like, oh, it was like three o'clock. And I'm all, there's no way I can get ready. Like I was in my pajamas still. I was sick from home that like from school that day. I'm all, mm-hmm. I'm not ready. I'm like, I'll wait a year. And I remember saying like, I'll do it next year. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ready to do it. And he's like, Carmen, what have you got to lose? Like, why don't you just try? If you don't make it, who cares? But at least, you know, you try, like, why don't you just try? And that changed the whole trajectory of my life uh-huh. is just trying and, and so I would say, yeah, the opposite of that is just not going for it. So what would you say, Griff, what's the breaking point though? Like what, what is the breaking point of pushing our kids? Like, where is it? How do we know when it's too much and it's, and it's damaging to them versus being motivating and go for it and you can do this and it's okay versus this is, this is more than they can handle right now. And it's okay to take a step back yeah. and reset. Yeah. It's a great question. You know, after I got hurt and found myself next to an unpainted barn lying on my back, my back, it was broken. My dreams of playing football was over. I'm like, okay, now what? I remember voicing my fears for the first time out loud to my friend who was there with me. And I'm like, Doug, I think I'm paralyzed. He's like, no, I don't think you are. I'm like, no, I am. I entered that sauna of self-pity. And in my book, you know, I have, I have mile markers instead of chapters. And in one of the mile markers, it's called Exit the Sauna of Self-Pity. I entered that sauna. I was just wallowing in that syrupy, sticky sauna of self-pity where, where it's just like I'm, I'm having the most major pity party of my life. I'm like, I thought I was broken. I, I was broken physically. I thought I was broken mentally. I thought I was just broken and all the experts. And, and, and so I was just having this pity party of a lifetime. And I remember that they stopped feeding me in the hospital, in my bed. I, if I wanted to eat, I had to get out of my bed. And it took me 30 minutes to get out of my bed with the aid of two nurses. And I was just having a pity party. I'm rolling down these sterile halls of the hospital and I get my food and I want to be by myself because when you're hurt, you want to be by yourself. Worst thing ever. Yeah, yeah it is. And I get my food. I go to the corner of the cafeteria. I'm flavoring my food with my tears and this tray plops in front of me. And I, I'm about to look up at him and tell him to, to take a hike with some words that I won't share on this podcast. <laughs> and, I re- and I remember what the individual across from me said to me. It changed my life forever. I came to find out that the individual across from me was a prisoner from the point of the mountain. He was doing therapy at the hospital because he was doing, he was working out and, and lifting weights and he had an aneurysm in his brain. He paralyzed from the right side of his body. And he asked a question that changed my life. In fact, this prisoner asked me a question that set me free from my prison. And so, you, you know, you ask the question, how do you know if we don't, you know, so we don't break our kids? And, and so, I'm sharing this with you just to, to understand that we've got to understand who we are. and We've got to understand that life is so much better than we think it is. We are so much more than we think we are. 
we have the capacity and ability to do so much more than we give ourselves credit to because we've been listening to the experts, the boo birds, the people who are telling us that why we can't do things. And it's because they're based in our possibilities on their limitations. And the scariest thing is when the biggest critic is we, you know, me, myself, and I, when we are harshest critics. And, and so, you know, this, this prisoner asked me a question that set me free from my prison. And I've never been back to that sauna of self-pity. I, I, I've ref- I flipped the switch and I reframe things and I see things different. I focus on what I can do instead of what I can't do. And in 2019, I get a phone call from a buddy and saying, Griff, you need to come and come to this mastermind with us. We're training with the Navy SEALs in San Diego. And I'm like, you do realize I'm in a wheelchair. <laughs> He's like, yes. I'm like, I'm in with, with one caveat that I get to jump out of the helicopter into the ocean. And he's like, well, I can't promise you that. I'm like, well, okay, well, I'm coming and I'm going to jump, whether they say I can or not. And I want to make sure that you don't change anything for me because I'm in a wheelchair. If I can't do it, I'll figure out a way to do it. And if I can't figure out a way to do it, I'll sit on the sidelines and I will encourage everyone around me to, to find and figure out a way to do that. But I insist on being jumping out of that, that helicopter Two things that I learned training with the Navy SEALs. One of the things that they taught me was, Griff, it's simple to be a Navy SEAL, just not easy. Yep. It's simple to do these things. It's just not easy. The possibility principle is simple. It's just not easy. And so we've got to make it simple. We've got to make life so simple. We've got to teach our kids the simplicity of, of success. Yeah. And, and, and that is also letting them know that you're going to, you're going to stumble. You're going to fail. You're going to have a setback. You're going to want to quit. You are going to quit yeah. on certain things. And then the second thing I learned training with the Navy SEALs are like, you guys think that you're given a hundred percent, but you're probably only giving 40. Oh, interesting. Wow. That's a huge <laughs> difference. Yeah. And so the reason why I share that with you is, is how do we know if it's too much? Yeah. It's, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not too much. But the thing is, is we could, we could, we could push down wrong roads. We can push for the wrong things. And then that ends up being too much, but our capacity and our ability, we can do so much more than we think we can. And so that's why it's so important to understand, you know, those elements of success. You've got to know what you want. And, 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 and part of that with kids is allowing them to discover what they want, not, not what we want for them. And I see parents pushing their kids in things that they wish they would have accomplished or they wish they would have done. Yeah. And they're different than us and they have their own unique abilities. And, and so just, so what I'd say is the first thing is is to, to help them discover that song, to help them orchestrate and conduct the song that sings inside their soul and just encourage them to do things and let them fail and let them struggle and give them a hand up, not a handout, but a hand up when things don't go right because they won't, they won't go right all the time. Yeah. What did that prisoner say to you in the hospital that changed everything? You want to know, don't you? You've got to buy the book to find the question. I'm just kidding. You don't have to buy the book to find the question. However, if you want the book, if you go to my website at griffinmotivation.com, 
and you put in the coupon code love, I will give you and your listeners a little discount. Awesome. Send out a little bit of love and it'll be half price on those books. But the question that the prisoner asked me that set me free from my prison was, why are you crying, dude? <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, why are you crying, dude? And I realized what he was saying in, in his slurred speech. And in the question he asked me was, why are you crying, dude? Yeah. And I know that that's not the, the, the answer that most women want to hear or most people want to hear. You know, like, you know, let me cry. Let me feel the pain. And yeah. I, I, I want to make sure that, you know, that by sharing my experience, you know, doesn't diminish your experience and your pain because I've learned that all pain hurts, Carmen, no yeah. matter when, no matter where, no matter how much, yeah. all pain hurts. And I don't want to diminish that. But for me personally, that question snap me out of my pity party, help yeah. me switch this, flip the switch, reframe things, you know, like going back to, okay, turn my crap into a crop, take my mess and turn it into a message. I'm going to, you know, learn from this and I'm going to start focusing on what I can do instead of what I can't do. And so, you know, you said 20 years later, you're singing again. Yeah. Like, my dream is to walk again. And the doctor laughed at me. He's like, Griff, it's impossible. He yeah. showed me a picture of my back and and just recently in 2019, I, I climbed Mount Ben Loma, which is 9,711 feet. And I took every step to the top with the help of 19 other men that built this portable, you know, what are they called? Parallel bars, portable parallel bars. And I got in the middle and they had two people with, with straps around their neck. And I'm using, I'm holding the parallel bars and we're walking all the way up to the top of this mountain. And, and so it's so important to stop lying to ourselves. And I, I learned that the top three lies are number one, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. Number two, I don't have the skills or tools to, to do it. Mm -hmm. And number three, I can do it on my own. Ooh, yeah. Yep. We can't do it on our own. And so anyway, I love the fact that you are giving back. I love the fact that you're starting to sing again. I love the fact that you're sharing your gold nuggets to the world and you're letting people hear the song that sings inside your soul, Carmen. And so I really appreciate this opportunity to be with you today. Well, I love that that's the phrase that you choose to use too, is the song that sings. I think that music can open up your soul in a way that nothing else does. And it, music is, it, it can touch your heart in a way that nothing else does. And I, I have 20 cute little voice students right now. We actually have a recital coming up and like singing is one of the, one of the rare talents that was given to you purely to give away. It, 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 it does you no good to sing in your room by yourself. It's a gift Heavenly Father gave you purely to share with others and spread light and goodness into this world. And so I love that you use that phrase, like the song inside your soul. And I would say that it's also the light inside your soul that Heavenly Father's blessed each one of us with purely to give away, to inspire and help and encourage others. And I love that you are using your life experience and trials and difficulties. And it's... It, <laughs> It's, it, I, it's, I don't mean to minimize it at all. Like, oh, well, Griff's paralyzed and all, oh, but look how you've turned it around to do good. Like you're living with it day in and day out. And so we talk with you and we hear you and you speak with people and you're in your wheelchair and you share all these amazing experiences. You've won, you've gone to the Olympics and won medals and you've climbed mountains. And we hear that and we're like, wow, that's amazing. 
And then you go back to your home and you live your life day in and day out being paralyzed and in a wheelchair. And it's every second of every day that you're living that life. And so I think it's amazing that you can, you can use that to motivate so many people and, and also continue to be strong on your own when no one's listening and when no one's watching and you're by yourself and you're getting up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night or to brush your teeth, the things that nobody sees that mentally you're still doing every day on your own. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, you know, I, I speak all over the world and I like, I like to address the elephant in the room when I come rolling out on the stage about how good looking I am. (laughs) 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 I'm just kidding, but I I am in a wheelchair and I'm physically paralyzed, but the elephant in the room is that, you know, I'm in a wheelchair and um, I'm physically paralyzed and the doctors gave me a 0% chance of standing, walking or moving my legs. The experts gave me a zero percent chance of having kids, or I get the first function to go, last to come back. Yeah. Some of the experts gave me a zero percent chance of getting married, not because of my wheelchair, but just because of who I am. (laughs) I like to say, I I like to say that you know, know, my wife and I've been married for twenty five years. We have few, we have four beautiful biological kids, and and the sad and the sad truth is, is that I'm physically paralyzed, but I believe most of us, if not all of us, are paralyzed from the demons of doubt, fear, and complacency. Yeah which keeps us from getting up out of our chair and chasing down our dreams. And, and, and one of the greatest, one of the greatest accomplishments that people can do is to, is to believe they do have the ability to take that first step because inch by inch is a cinch yard by yard is hard. And sometimes when we consume our whole dreams at once, we get overwhelmed. But if we just take it inch by inch, step by step, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And sometimes just taking that first step is the step that we should celebrate and yeah. keep on going until we finish. I, I totally agree with that. It's the first step is the hardest. And, and some days I'll wake up and I'm like, I really don't want to do this. And the thought that came to my mind a little while ago, someone in my ward needed help with something. And I was like, honestly, I'm not in the mood to do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm struggling and I'm going through a lot. I don't want to help. And, and it was very selfish, but it was true. I'm like, I don't want to do that. The thought c- that came to my mind, but are you capable of helping them? Are you able to? And I'm like, yes, I am able to, I don't want to, right. but I, but I have that capacity. Yeah. And I did. And I think sometimes we can get in our own mind. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to work out. I told you exercising. Ooh, it's so hard for me. I don't want to do it. Am I able to? Yeah. Yeah. So then it just becomes, it, it becomes more of a choice. Like I, I'm choosing not to, it, instead of like, there are, there are some things that we're, we're, we're not capable of. And if we're honest, like you said, I think, I think we know what we're capable of. And when people are like, I need a break and I need to come down. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I, I feel like I agree with those Navy sales. Like more often than not, we may be giving that 40% and there's, there's a lot, there's 60% that's just kind of Latin waiting for us to tap into mm-hmm. and man, what we could accomplish yeah. if we were able to tap into that. So if people want to learn more about how to do that, tell us again, the book that you wrote and the website to go to so they can learn how to achieve that kind of success and resilience in their lives. So if they want to, to learn how to be a Guinness world record in their life, yeah. The Guinness World Record as a mom, a Guinness World Record as an executive CEO, and a 
Guinness World Record as a singer or whatever it might be. If you go to griffinmotivation.com, G-R-I-F-F-I-N, it's like the mythical beast. You know, okay. Griffin is half lion, half eagle. I yeah. try to convince my wife that I'm a mythical beast. And she's like, you're neither a beast nor mythical. <laughs> but, so griffinmotivation.com, you can follow me on Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is. My, my handles are there. The book, are, the book is there. But, you know, again, the possibility principle is, is the footings to the foundation. And that, that possibility principle will help you create a P-square mindset. And, and it's never too late. It's never too late. You know, the Chinese proverb says that the greatest time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Yeah. The second best time is today. So plant that seed today. Plant that tree. Plant that dream. Conduct and orchestrate that song that sings in your song. Start listening to it. Start weaving that tapestry of dreams that's going to hang on somebody else's social media wall. And uh, it's, it's so exciting. It just It just takes one step. And uh, sometimes we just don't know what steps to take. Yeah. We've, we've discovered what steps can help you do that. I love that. I love that so much. And it and and I think it goes back to that question you asked, what do you want? First, mm-hmm. figure that out. Like, what do you want? And then you'll be able to do what it takes to get there. Be prepared for failure. Be prepared to build some resistance and resilience along the way to, to have some resistance, but build some resilience along the way and then everything is possible. I love that catchphrase. I'm possible that really, truly, I, I don't think heavenly father would put a timeline on our dreams and say, Oh, you're 50 too late. That's too bad. Yep. There's not a timeline on it. It's it, it. You can, you can do, you can do anything you want. And, and with his help, truly anything is possible. So thanks for being so motivating today, Griff, and for talking with us for all the good you're doing. Yeah, no, thank you again, Carmen, for letting me be a part of your group. I always say that there's there's power in organized effort. Thank you for organizing this and let me be a part of it and let me shine a little bit of light on all the goodness that you are already doing. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate it. Herbert, and I'm so excited to tell you about an amazing app that my whole family loves. It's called Our Turtle House, and it's full of literally thousands of hours of full-length talks, just like the old talk on CDs or talk on tapes, from some of your favorite Latter-day Saint speakers like John By the Way, Mick Johnson, Hank Smith, me, and a ton more. Plus, there's podcasts, firesides, devotionals, come follow me resources, and entertaining content your whole family will enjoy truly all in one little app and you can use promo code doing good all one word at checkout and you get a full month free so check it out and sign up at ourturtlehouse.com see you soon